One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a T-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your health care. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Hello everybody and welcome back to Rule the Roost podcast. Jack here, not joined by Raj at the moment, um, he's otherwise engaged, but after a, a week of, I wouldn't even say indifference, after because that's definitely not the word for it, a week of, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go all out there, misery, um, I'm really in the need for a kind of a, a, an extrapolated existential chat full of anguish full of ennui full of knee-jerk big fat opinions takes whatever you want to call it and i thought there's only one man for the job welcome to the show once again mr tom foynes tom hayward whatever you want to call him however you know him uh star one of the stars of spurs wipe i'll get my own plug in there as well how 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 are you, mate? I'm very well, thank you. Maybe another moniker you could use is Spurs Eeyore. Spurs sort of, I quite like that. Sort of felt like that this week, a little bit just sort of slumped shoulders, head down, just a bit grey and sad. Um like, not about in general, just just Spurs. So like, it has to be prefixed with Spurs, Spurs Eeyore. Like the okay guy meme. You know that have you have you seen you know those old like rage comics like Forever Alone and all that type of thing? There's the one where there's a guy just sort of like that, like you say, greatly saying, I "Okay." Think I remember that. Yeah, having to cast my mind back about fifteen years of of internet memes. Of internet. Memes aren't like what they were in our day, mate. They aren't nowadays. If you do a meme that says you're English or something, I don't really know. I'm, yeah. Not really. Here you go. Look, look on your look on your WhatsApp. I've just sent it to you. There's the OK guy. This is great, great uh, viewing for everybody at home. But good for the listener. If yeah. you are listening, just have a look now. If you if you want a, a full immersive experience, just pause the podcast and Google OK guy meme, and uh, that's what that's I'm me. referencing. Is that would you? Yeah, say that's I'd been say you? that. Yeah, I'd say that's how I've looked all all week. So when good news has come my way, um, it's been it, I've just in the back of my head had that kind of niggling spurs horror that makes that good news a little bit sort of tarnished, and it's just okay. It's funny, isn't it? Because there's there's many different thoughts and feelings, and I guess reactions to different types of what well, to what well, to essentially the same scenario it's win lose or draw uh in football it's quite it's quite binary in that sense but out the back end of that there are there are uh, a plethora of different reactions you can have to that and even though i probably should um because let, let's start with arsenal first um oh good yeah, I know it's, it's it's a lovely place to start, but it's, uh, I didn't I didn't feel that 
stinging pain. I think the stinging pain I felt this season was uh, after Liverpool, before Christmas, um, at Anfield. Anfield away when Spurs were absolutely flying. Yeah, okay, I think we'd had the blip beef with Palace before, hadn't we? Mm. I think we drew Palace, but you're like, okay, well, that, that is annoying, but whatever, we'll let them off the hook. Liverpool is kind of probably in the back of their minds, so let's see what happens. Liverpool, top of the league again. They haven't got Van Dijk, but they're looking like they're going to retain the title. Spurs now, under Mourinho, love him or hate him, are playing great football. Uh, well, not playing great football, but they're getting great results. And we've spoken about as potential title winners. And as soon as that type of thing, as we've seen in the past, starts to happen, the Mm. same old people start to wilt. Um, And I think that was the first point, I would say, that Liverpool game when I was just suddenly like, uh uh-oh. You know, and I'm not. I'm not trying to make out like, oh, okay, I saw it because I bought into it. I, I if I'm br- if I'm brutally, brutally honest, when we were having that run, when we beat City, when we beat Arsenal, and we were going into that Liverpool game, I didn't think it was definitely going to happen. But in the back of my mind, I was like, this is one of those seasons where actually, you know what, we might do it this year. This might be our Leicester year. This this might actually be it. This is. This is what Mourinho was brought in to do. He was here to capitalise on these bizarre circumstances that the league finds itself in. And we're going to do it. And obviously we didn't. And we've seen what's happened out the back end of it. Um, and so with this Arsenal game, I, I'm fucking annoyed, obviously, on the side of it being a game against Arsenal. But... <sighs> I was over it within the hour. Yeah, and uh, I, I, I don't know. What, what you know, you, go on. Give give us why. Where well, you think that's come from on your side? So two two things. I think first of all, not having a crowd for any game almost knocks about fifty percent of the edge off. Regardless, yeah. And I might have felt very different had we been. Had we been in a strong position, you know, if we were still top of the table, for example, we went there and we lost, obviously it would sting a bit more because of that, as you mentioned, sort of that binary win-lose draw sort of dictates your feelings. But the fact that there were no Arsenal fans there and you didn't feel as if you were on enemy territory, you didn't really feel like you were watching a game at the Emirates, it, it immediately negates half of the, the the bad feeling about a loss. You know, and obviously if we win, it's probably completely the opposite but you still don't have that kind of that pang of uh, almost person uh, personable feeling about it in a way you can you can detach yourself from it completely i think if you're watching it. it was like a training ground exercise so that was half half the reason that i could get over it the other half is that i i think we're in the death throes of of Mourinho and of this team and a, a lot of the players and it just feels like the, the 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 bottom of the pit that we need to hit and have hit on numerous occasions probably in the last 15 years to start the next cycle because 
we as a as a club since since Levy and Enoch took over, we have been a, a cyclical club. And I think I've mentioned it last time that I was on on here with you. We were talking about I think it was pre season, and we were looking at you know the where we think we might finish and, and and how we think we'll do. And I think we said there that we're sort of at the bottom of the next cycle, and it's going to be a bit of a pain barrier to get through. Losing to Arsenal is sort of just part of that in mm. a way. In you know, we, we we have these periods of where we don't lose five, six, seven games in a row against them. We draw away, but we win the home games. So, um, but every so often, just a real stinker comes along, and we haven't had that for a while. We, we we've lost to them. I think the four-two was probably the one of the worst. But that performance on Sunday was just. It was very Sherwood. It was that Sherwood era Spurs performance of just about enough effort to get sort of be passable, um, but ultimately not enough, not good enough. And it just felt like something we had to go through to kind of end this era or this mini era of misery, as you say. So, it, you know, I'm not, I wasn't happy about it, but at the same time, I wasn't, you know, tearing my hair out about it. It was, maybe expected or certainly was something that you thought mm, if we're not careful there's every chance I don't think it meant an awful lot to, a, to either team I don't think it made a lot of difference to the league uh, either way I, I, think that's I just don't think it, anyone right? cared yeah I, th- yeah I think on the kind of like because there's obviously there's a lot of uh, as we you know as I've said already there's a lot of thoughts and feels flying around at the moment and it feels like a particularly big time for Tottenham I think on a sort of level with the Arsenal game it's kind of not that deep it's like we've beaten them loads lately they're shit and we're shit <laughs> and we're still ahead of them in the league it I, it just it always felt a bit more painful like you say if we were chasing up the top of the top of the table and they'd somehow dented our ambition yeah if it was like if we beat Arsenal today we can go top fucking can let's have it lads and for the the thought of it to be them that pegged us back or something like that you know that that's where the pain comes in or if it's a case that they're gonna jump ahead of us or something yeah it's just like it's felt like it's the two bald men fighting over a comb (laughs) yeah isn't it they felt like nothing more or less than the 90 minutes and that's why say after an hour I was kind of over it because there was no surrounding narrative about it there was no one can finish above the other there was no uh, Champions League places really I mean yeah for us of course but I think in terms of the game and the what a win meant to either side the win literally meant to Arsenal that they'd get within two points of us I think and a win for us meant that we'd go eight clear. So in terms of the game itself as Tottenham and Arsenal, it was about the 90 minutes alone. And after that, it just felt like everyone's going back to their normal lives. And say, couple that with the training ground feel, it hurt, but it could have, I've, I've gone through much, much worse with Spurs-Arsenal games. So just, yeah, quickly moved on. Um, so, because, I mean, you've touched on it there with Mourinho, because I, I was... I was in a, I was in a funny place after this one in that, you know. I know there was there was, there was a haste, shall we say, to and not from you, from just certain circles of the, the divide, shall we say, 
um, on him to really appropriate this Tim? Why are we why are we going to the Emirates and not you know going balls deep into it? Why why are we sitting off? Why are we doing this kind of low block counter stuff? I mean, I'm not overly convinced that we did, um, and I'm also just. <sighs> To be fair to Mourinho, I didn't see anything there that I haven't seen from countless Tottenham teams at Arsenal away, at Pochettino's Tottenham teams, when we just still seem to have an inferiority complex and don't like playing at the Emirates. I mean, did you, Maybe. Do you... How much do you put down to him and how much do you put down to this squad again being a battle-weary or whatever? I think the the thing is, is the the, the problems that the end of Poch is rain. And I I kind of regret bringing him up because I'm a bit sick of the whole, if you're anti-Mourinho, you are pro-Poch, which I am. You know, I I would love to have us, for us to have really dug in with him and given him the season perhaps that he might have needed to kind of re-energise himself and just accepted that that might have meant sixth or seventh that season, you know. Um, So I, I, I... He's gone, and I, I get it, he's finished, but there were a number of players under him that were already finishing. Again, coming to the end of their cycle, their, their, their kind of height of their value. You think of people like Danny Rose, Eric Dyer. Um, these are players that now are almost joke figures, to be fair. You know, Dyer's getting that way, but Rose certainly is. I mean, he wanted Toby Alderweireld gone. Yeah. Well, yeah, Watch. but I think a lot of that was contractual more than... It, but basically what I'm saying is I think that their value was never higher mm. and there was only one way to go after that. And so for those players to still be here, we can't be sitting here surprised that results still aren't aren't going our way when, you know, half of this squad was around in 2017 and that's nearly, you know, almost half a decade ago. And I mean, in the worst places, if you really think about it, like if you consider, you know, the right back, we've, even downgraded on Trippier, who we've a lot downgraded of people didn't four think times, mate. Enough, four know. times is yeah. We're, Walker to Trippier, Trippier to Aurier, Aurier to Doc is a four times downgrade, and it, we've spent money. It's not like we haven't spent money to try and fix that. You know, it's just it's there's so many spots in that squad that you can look at and go. The at very least we've broken even with the players that we've now got. But in a lot of cases, if they're not worse, i.e. the players we've brought in, they have aged and they have naturally just declined. And with that, I think you have to look at people like Alderweireld and and Lloris. You know, it's not necessarily their fault, but their body is... They've given everything to Spurs for the last five, six years of their career. And they're just naturally dropping off physically. So... We're not we're not replacing these players with enough quality. We still haven't replaced Ericsson, for example, and we're over a year after he left. And you know, you know my feelings on on Ericsson, but you can't just not replace somebody who who had that influence on in a football sense on the team. He stunk or at the least place his out function, in the end, right? At least a exactly, player. yeah, yeah, absolutely. And and you know, Kane's ankles aren't getting any better, and and. Son is pretty much the only person in our team with any speed. So he's, you know, his hamstring injury was inevitable. That is the problems with the squad. The the thing with Mourinho is uh, 
the squad is good enough to do better than this or at least pass the eye test better than it is at the moment. This is the problem that I think I've got with Mourinho is what is the, what is the style? You know, you mentioned that after we, we were top after the Man City game or after the Arsenal game early December, and you looked at it and the reason we've got the win against City, the win against Arsenal and the draw in midweek, I think, or the week before against Chelsea, we drew 0-0 at Stamford Bridge was because you could almost see this, okay, not very pleasant and eye-catching way of football or way of playing football, but a very effective one. And you thought, well, hold on, this is kind of the blueprint. And maybe we we are just going to be that sort of grisly, horrible team. And that's just our style. Since then, it's been one neither one thing or the other. We haven't sat in. I don't believe we play defensive football. I just don't believe we're good enough at attacking football. And I think they're very different things. I don't think we're sitting and absorbing pressure I just don't think there's one thing or the other. We don't have, we don't sit high up the pitch. We don't sit very deep in the pitch. We don't have a deep line midfielder like playing it out from the back. We don't have an attacking midfielder controlling things from right up the pitch. We don't press. We don't really sit that wide. Our fullbacks kind of are supposed to get forward, but that seems to do nothing except bunch up on our wide players. Do you know what I mean? It. it I, I feel like we're just in this this grey area of nothing. You know, there is no style that you can point to. And so when we go to the Emirates and perform like that, I don't think it's a direct result of Mourinho's instructions. I think it's a direct result of probably a year and a half worth of no instructions. We we just don't have a style of play. And we are good enough to have one. Even if you don't agree with what that is, we are surely good enough and have the players to install something of a style into them but I just don't see it. I don't know what it is. And that makes it very easy to pick off, in my opinion. So I guess on this, because there's a lot to expand on here, and I think it will bleed nicely into the Zagreb chat. Um, but I, I, I do want to sort of cover off a few more things about Arsenal first. Do you, with that in mind, do you see that... Let's let's juxtapose the two, okay? So what we, what we have is a a grandstand blockbuster appointment of a manager. You know, it was we've gone with Mourinho, Everton went with Ancelotti, um, and Arsenal on the other hand have gone for you know they took a punt on Arteta being part of the the next generation. You know, being the being the the I guess the Haaland or Mbappe to to Pep or Klopp's Messi or um, Ronaldo, mm. the other one, right? And whether or not that works out remains to be seen. Um, it's not looking particularly good for Arsenal at the moment. But are we are we as Spurs fans and just a collective football watching proletariat? <laughs> <laughs> Are we getting a bit ahead of ourselves? Do you, do you see anything that Arteta's doing there? And are you envious at all of Arsenal for at least having, perhaps after their kind of wilderness years, so the tail end of Wenger and Emery, um, now seemingly at least having something of an ethos, this kind of blend of experience and youth and... A manager who, whether he's getting it right or wrong at the moment, seems to know what he wants and is trying to create something of an identity, of a system, of a way of playing. Although, to be fair, 
I'm still not entirely convinced I can see one at Arsenal, if I'm honest, on that point. But, I mean, do, do, are you concerned that perhaps this could be one of those things where they suddenly turn a corner, they suddenly get a load of momentum, and the Arteta era finally, it it really kicks off, as I guess you know we did with Pochettino. Hey, it's Paige Desorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being fifty to eighty percent less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at uh1.com. Yeah, that's the obvious. That feels like the obvious parallel when you think of the players he's binned out and then to bring in players like Saka uh, and Smith Rowe. You know, they don't have to be world beaters for for that team to have been re-energised by that. I mean, I think Saka's quality. Yeah, he's like, unbelievable, he, isn't he? He really, really, we need City to come in for him because... He's annoyingly good. Yeah, very good. Um, and I think this this is the thing. I think we've grown up with... We, we've grown up probably in our early years with Arsenal being very good, Spurs being shy. And in the last 10 years, okay, Arsenal still won things, but Arsenal have regressed badly and we've sort of we've we've pushed on significantly even if we have our low moments but I kind of feel like we forget the possibility that we can both be utter dog turd you know we we are hmm. both clubs that could potentially if we don't get it right end up outside the top six top eight whatever for a couple of years until one of us you know breaks the mold a little bit I think the question really could be framed as who would you rather be supporting right now? And I think that's a very interesting one because if I were an Arsenal fan, God forbid, I could think of reasons why I would want to go to the ground every week. You know, these young players, potentially a new philosophy, something to sort of cheer on after a few years of stagnation. And that stagnation was very apparent, but nobody ever did anything about it. You know, it was apparent under Wenger. And, and then under Emery and, and everyone knew it. It's just nobody seemed to be wanting to do anything about it. And I hate to say it, that's the kind of thing that I'm seeing and have seen since about 2018 with Spurs. We've yeah. all known this team needs refreshing and it doesn't mean bring through the youth team. It just means, you know, stick to the model. The model all the way up to 2017 was buy young, buy talented, develop. And if you need to sell, you sell. And then four or five years ago, we got into a position where we were like, okay, we don't need to sell it anymore. Our superstars can stay because we've got a bit more power to do that. But yet we've stopped doing the first bit, you know? And so us being in that position, for me, makes us very difficult to love at the moment as a Spurs fan. And so if you were to ask me, who would I rather support at the moment? Or, or if I was a supporter of that team, who would be happiest? Arsenal might be below us. They might not be in any of the cup competitions, I think, apart from Europa League. But I think I I would enjoy being 
in their position currently looking at these young players and thinking, yeah, well, at least we're giving it a go because they could have stuck with Ozil, could have stuck with Aubameyang, who's, you know, 33 and declining, but it doesn't look like they are. And that it's very easy. and You can get behind that. And I just, I, this is what I'm desperate for Spurs to get back to. I don't give a shit if we finish fifth or sixth, but don't kind of give it the big bollocks about being a top three, top four squad without backing it up with any sort of evidence just because the names are in that squad. You know, I want to see Deli Alley's coming through again. I want us to go shopping in places that others aren't and taking risks and taking punts on these players. We are never going to be Man United, Man City, Chelsea. We are more of a Dortmund. That has to be our blueprint and it can be very successful. And what we've got to do, in my opinion, is get in there ahead of an Arsenal before they do that as well. Because it is sustainable and it, you're able to do that alongside, you know, this amazing stadium that we've got. Who knows, it might lead to trophies, but surely, surely the powers that be at Spurs are seeing this as a reset button or the need for a reset button. Nobody's going to come in and sort all of this out. And that's where I have a slight bit of sympathy for Mourinho. He has got a bad squad to be working with, in my opinion. I know people, a lot of people disagree with that, but I don't think it's a very good squad. I don't think it's a very motivated squad. I, I agree. I don't, I, well, I mean, and I think a lot of the time this stuff can get burned down, like reduced into this sense of like, well, let's have a look at their attributes. Let's look at what they can do in a in a utopian sense. But, you know, plenty of these players, I mean, like Harry Winks, could be a fantastic player, I'm sure, but I think we've seen enough now that he just isn't going to be. That there's always going to be this limitation on him. And yeah, I, I mean, I'm not. I've said in the past on this podcast, I think he's been unlucky with the timings of his injuries, sort of critical parts of his development. Um, yeah, he was developing very nicely with the squad alongside it, growing at a very natural pace. Um, to be a successor to one of our sort of central midfield players, potentially, we saw that infamous game at Real Madrid. But then, you know, his his he just got curtailed by injury, and he's never really managed to find his feet. He's always been kind of one step back, and then we've got other kind of factors coming into it now. His motivation, his perceived bitterness over his role within the squad, everything like that. These various different things that can hold a player back in their development. But for whatever reason it is, somebody like him is not somebody I would any longer rely upon. And I think you can say the same of somebody like Eric Dyer. You know, he was a he was a tenacious, brilliant talent when he first broke through under Pochettino. But again, you know, we, we, he had a some kind of awful kind of gut type thing didn't he he's he had... like lost half of the essential non-essential organs that your body has i think he lost in a 18 month period yeah it's like he... his appendix his gallbladder he's all sorts he was yeah. probably about eight stone liar he's, he's he's had a lot of kind of health issues and things and you know that is something that on a human level you can have sympathy for but in the cold ruthless sort of business sense of football you know, and yeah. I, I when have, he becomes I, your number one centre back, yeah. that's when you've got a bit of a fucking problem, and isn't it? Yeah. I have a lot of affection for Eric Dyer. I really, mm. really, I think he actually seems like 
one of the good ones, if you like. I think he seems like a very smart bloke. I think he, you know, from the threadbare bits and pieces you see, like politically, socially, he seems pretty engaged, pretty kind of switched on. Um, and, you know, I think the fact that somebody like Jan Vertonghen took him under his wing so closely speaks volumes as well. Um, but that doesn't mean that the guy is a great centre-back or a great defensive midfielder or whatever he wants to be. He's just another one of this kind of plethora of players that has been one part unfortunate and another part just perhaps not good enough. That the, the, the team has transcended his place. We saw it in the past. We saw it with Townsend. We saw it with Mason. We saw it with Bentele. Players who... Gave us some brilliant, brilliant moments, some brilliant times. I've, yeah, even to this day, a lot of people are uh, happy to sort of dig him out and be a bit shitty about him, which I find quite bizarre. But I've got loads of affection for Andrus Townsend. Still, when I see him like slap, when he scored that goal against Man City, I thought, fucking mm. go on, lad, have it. You know, there's still that bit of me that's like, it's brilliant. The fact he went to the Champions League final and sat in with the Spurs fans, little things like that. He is proper Tottenham, and it, it and it. It's all well and good for us to kind of sing he's one of our own about Harry Kane and all this type of thing. And yes, it is different because Harry Kane is not just a generational star. He's, he's in my opinion, and I don't think it's a particularly controversial one, not just one of Tottenham's greatest players of all time, just one of the greatest footballers of all time. Um, and I think we really will reflect on that when he goes, but we'll get onto that at another time. Mm -hmm. And, but I mean, what what I think we consistently see at Tottenham, and I think this is what this is why I find it so hard to put onto Mourinho, right? And it's genuinely is because my thing at the moment is that if we, and this isn't saying we shouldn't sack Mourinho, I want to say this up front, but if we went and just biffed off Mourinho now, if we got rid of him and we brought in Nagelsmann. Right, Nagelsmann, Nagelsmann, however you pronounce it, right? Foreign. <laughs> uh, Foreign much. You, you bring him in, and I have no doubt that the squad will be galvanised. Right? Look at what Tuchel's done at Chelsea. I, I, would, I would envisage something similar to that happening. Suddenly, two, three games in, you're suddenly like, bang, that's it. Tottenham look proper again. What was Mourinho moaning about? What's going on? And we'd probably end the season strong and we'd just fall short of the top four, but it'd be enough there that we'd be like, this is promising. We're playing nice football. It's decent. And that's great. And I think there is there is definitely something to be had in that. And I think, you know, next season we would start very, very strong and we would have more of an idea of what we are, what we're trying to do. And we would be utilising players who perhaps aren't being utilised in the best way now or aren't motivated enough to be used. But if we're talking about transforming, like tra I guess transcending us being a perennial also-ran into something better than what we had with Pochettino or even on par with what we had with Pochettino, again, I cannot escape from the idea that if we retain... Because what, what I'm not taking into consideration here is 
us bringing in new players. The point I'm trying to make is about the squad, right? And if Nagelsmann was in charge of this squad, I still think sooner or later we would find the same problems would arise in that Hmm. we would go on a great run, we'd probably get to just before Christmas time with having maybe gotten a result or a you know an unlucky kind of draw away at the Etihad or at, at Anfield or something like that but we'd get to that position where we're third fourth in the table two points off of going top of the table and we run into Chelsea who are kind of had a similar season to us and the paper talk would suddenly be like right here we are this is Spurs again this is Nagelsmann Spurs can he do what Mourinho said there wasn't any life in this squad. Mourinho said this squad couldn't be coached. And I would see us going into that game and I would see us losing it again. And then I would see the same personalities, the same people we've seen under Pochettino, under Mourinho, and under this hypothetical Nagelsmann type situation, going into that sulk and going off the back of it and having two, three draws, losing a couple of shit games, being up and down. And... That is that it's for that exact reason. The fact I can so clearly see that is why I can't, in good faith, say because of the results, because of he's getting paid this amount of money and we're not challenging at the top. That's that's Mourinho's fault, and we should get rid yeah. of him for that reason. But and this is segueing into, I guess, the, the important part now is that. What I do put on Mourinho and what I put solely on him is when I when I started when I was watching Zagreb, when I was watching the start of that game, after ten minutes, I just suddenly I like I was in WhatsApp, I was, you know, talking to Charlotte, everything like that, and I was just like, you know what? I have no fucking clue what we're doing here. <laughs> I literally have no... and It doesn't matter if we've rotated the squad. It it, it, it does yeah. not matter. There should yeah. be a template there and uh, an ethos and a way of playing and a focus that simply now, 18 months on, is just not there. It isn't yeah. there and that is on Mourinho. It doesn't, it doesn't, it doesn't matter if these players can shrink away at the Emirates. Well, it does matter, but what I'm saying is that that to me isn't entirely on Mourinho. His approach to the game, yeah, perhaps. But the fact that, you know, the certain people can't, you know, get into a game of that magnitude or a game with a bit of narrative behind it. But the fact that we are... And Zagreb, with all due respect to them, were fucking up for it. And they were, you know... They they're a good side. Like, like when I spoke to the the Croatian reporter that I had done, he made he made a, a point that Zagreb are a seasoned Champions League team. They should not be underestimated. They're not one of these minnows we've played in the group stages. They're a Premier League quality team, and they are. I I would I would honestly look at them and say you know they are a kind of mid table Premier League team. They they were solid enough, not spectacular. I could see them competing with teams like Palace for a place in the kind of just above the relegation zone. Mm. So the fact that we, whatever sort of dire straits we're in at the moment, went there and like the capitulation 
probably is bigger than Mourinho. That probably plays into the things I've touched on there in that ranting monologue that I've, I've just been on. But what isn't there is underneath that, even if there are these kind of collective losing of arses and stuff, they should at least be able to fall back and default to a position where they can say, all right, we've just conceded two goals. Let's just take a fucking deep breath here and let's just remember, let's remember what we learned in training. Let's remember what we came here to do. Let's get it done and let's just be professional now, right? And I think that's what I think this squad has potentially at least the capacity to do. I would hope so for highly fucking paid professionals to do because if not, you know, I, I despair basically. But the fact that it doesn't even seem that we have that safety net of something to fall back into, I rest solely at Mourinho's door now because I just... I just don't. I don't see it's, what the so plan this, is, other than give it yeah. Bale and Kane. Yeah, we are in a football no man's land currently, and I think this is where I I have to to disagree with people that say the squad is probably good enough because I do believe that if a squad is good enough, it doesn't really matter who the manager is. You should be able to withhold Dinamo Zagreb in an away game where you're two 0 up from the first leg. You know, and and it, you have to say the first half, okay, we got in at nil nil, but we probably could have been a goal down by that point. In the second half, it looked as if the Zagreb just thought, you know what, it, it's kind of now or never for us. And it was like we didn't anticipate that ever being a scenario. It's almost as if we were we were faced with this team who failed to take their chances in that first forty-five, and we almost thought that we were a bit gold-plated and thought that we were maybe invincible and when that first goal goes in you're looking then for a style change at that point even if you are going to go more defensive but the second goal just came from it could have just been any old game in any old competition against any old opposition because it was it wasn't like it was a scramble we weren't fighting for our lives they just kind of got in round i think it was ben davis cuts the ball back completely unmarked guy in the centre of the penalty area and he puts it into an un, unguarded net. And it was that, that at that point that you think no one's listening to anybody. It, it doesn't matter if it's Mourinho. It doesn't matter if it's Pochettino, Harry Redknapp, Tim Sherwood, you know, Tetrunk standing on the touchline. <laughs> um, give it to Trunks at the end of the season. It, it doesn't matter. Because that that is a collective almost decision on behalf of the group of players to not dig in and not just, as you say, be professional. And I, I know that it's very easy, you know, you lose a game, they're all still professionals. They would, they're going to be unhappy about it, but it's the kind of, they almost don't have this ability to take it personally that their place would be under threat. It's just a bit, it's meek, isn't it? It, it? It's it's the fact that they can't seem to get their head around how far Spurs have fallen with them in the team, considering where we were two or three years ago. And I do think that is a failure of the club in some in some respects because it, naturally, you know, in any job, if you're there for probably more than two three years, 
it gets stale and you do you know people get bored it's very it's very easy for that yeah. to happen in any profession and you know people like ben davis i'm trying to i looked at the squad the other day larice uh Alderweireld, eric dyer um ben davis Hyomin son harry kane um you know probably harry winks maybe to a degree but they've all been there and in the team the first team for six years Lloris has been closer to eight years. Um, that's a long, long time to be at a football club. And if you've gone to a peak, like I was saying, there were players at their peak, Danny Rose, Eric Dyer. Danny Rose has been talked about at 50 million for Man United or City. Um, Eric Dyer, again, 40 million for Manchester United. There was only ever one way that was going to go. And now we're in a position where we can't sell them because they've got hardly any value. Their form has dipped to the point where we're not seeing any benefit from them. And personally, I imagine Eric Dyer is currently feeling just rotted from the inside because I just don't think he's got much left that he can possibly give. And he's not going to get any sort of freshen up that he so obviously needs. And whether that's a move or a change in style, he's not going to get that with Mourinho. And that is my problem. Mourinho is not 100% of the problem, but he is at the same time 0% of the solution because he cannot reverse something like this. He has never been at a club where this has started happening and not ended up being sacked. And that goes way back, you know, 15 years because he's only really about the highs, Mourinho. He will point to the, the silverware. He will point to the things that he's done, the peop- the players he's managed. But he, there are warning signs from his previous two stints at Premier League clubs. And all that happened at Spurs is that they came earlier. But there's not really any difference to the way that this ended at Man United. Players were being frozen out. The dressing room was, you know, grumbling. They weren't winning games. The style of play was pretty poor and the fans were on their back. All that's happened is it's, it's happened after a year rather than two years. And I fully believe he'll be leaving us the only football club that hasn't won a trophy under his stewardship because that's Tottenham. And hey, he can't change DNA. You know, you could have put money on that when he joined because that's just Tottenham. But he took over a team that desperately needed work that Mourinho is not capable of doing. And I don't blame, I don't put the blame at his door. I just think the amount of work that needs to happen in this squad mentally and physically and everything else is too much for somebody to deal with, but it has to start with a new manager. It has to, and it probably needs to come with it. A big clear out of players, a fully invested trust in youth. So players like Sessegnon, players like Skip, maybe Tanganga, although I'm, not entirely convinced on him but that has to be better than the alternative and to bring it back to what we're talking about Arsenal when fans are back in stadiums they are going to rather finish I I guarantee you I would rather finish sixth with a team of Skip and Sessegnons with Kane and you know players like that than have the same finish with players like Ndombele may be a bad example but you know, I don't. I just don't see enough there for me to really give enough of a shit about to think. Yep, this is what I want for my team. I need these players to be expensive. I need them to be big. You know, big style, big time Charlies. I just don't give a shit enough. And we are not that club. 
And if we're not that club, we can't have Mourinho as our manager. The two just don't go hand in hand. And it's it's been a bad fit from the start. I gave it a chance because what else are you going to do? You, you can't you can't change it. He was employed. You had to see where it was gone. But by Christmas, just gone, I knew where I stood with it. And it's just got worse. So it's a big old job. And you mentioned Nagelsmann or whatever his name is. It, he will come in and that the first sign of trouble, he is going to need that Kane free kick at Aston Villa moment, you know, because don't forget if that flies over the bar, Pochettino isn't here or what isn't there in 2018 or even 2017, he'd have been gone. He says so, you know, these sliding door moments very rarely go for us. And when they do, they're even rarer for them to lead to something like what Pochettino did with us. So we are rolling the dice by getting rid of Mourinho. And it will, I think he'll go in the summer. We are rolling the dice with that. But we have to allow things to go wrong with that sort of project manager. So we have to. Do you... So an argument I've heard raised about this, about getting rid of Mourinho, which I hadn't really considered that I do find quite interesting is if we are to get rid of him before we even kind of shred a lot of the deadwood that he's, you know, because he has, he's come in and he's experimented and I think he has tried to give everybody a chance. Everybody that we'd already written off under Pochettino, I think he has sort of given some minutes to see who he likes, see who he doesn't like. Are we going to have to sit through basically the argument is we bring someone else in and we have to sit through seeing this person again try and galvanize a winks or a sissoko or whoever else in vogue player to not rate is there and we're going to waste another kind of 18 months Finding sure. ourselves, but being finding ourselves in that same old position that we're in of leaving almost half expecting that this new guy is going to be able to come in and get a tune out of the same parts again. That we're not, that we just, that maybe Mourinho is worth hanging on to purely just to be the guy that can fucking get rid of some of them, that can actually just browbeat Levy into saying look you you are not going to get 30 million pounds you well you're not going to get the 50 million pounds Manchester United wanted to give you for Eric Dyer a few years ago take 20 odd mil from Palace from Villa from whoever take it from do you know what, if somebody like Benfica if Jan says to Benfica hey we haven't replaced Ruben Diaz get my mate Eric in he speaks Portuguese he knows the league Get him in. Come on. Like, you know, but they're not going to say here's 50 mil for him. They can say here's 20 mil. And somebody like Mourinho could be the one that's going to say, just take the money. He's not good enough. Whereas, like you say, whereas if we're saying there's going to be a new manager coming in, that new manager might be like, no, I quite quite like what I see in Eric, actually. Maybe, Maybe let's hang on to him. Is this just a hypothetical again? I'm not saying... No, sure. But look... look I, I know I know exactly where you're coming from, but at the same time, I would 
wager we there are better people out there that can do that than what Mourinho can. So well, Mourinho, Steve Hitchin. Well, we'd need. Well, yeah, we'd need. We'd need to. His head looks like a potato, doesn't it? Have you seen? It does. Have you, like, I just looking in the, the All or Nothing documentary, and he just looks like a really angry potato. Um, anyway, <laughs> look, look, Hitchin's a good point because we desperately need a director of football. We have needed a director of football for over a decade since the Redknapp days. You know, and, and I know Redknapp was not a long-term person, but if we'd have had a director of football in place in 2011 or 2012, when AVB came in and took over, you know, Baldini gets a lot, a lot of stick, but at the same time, he kind of got a lot of deals over the line that probably wouldn't have happened otherwise. And some of those could have worked out as very good signings. You know, you look mm. at Ericsson and Lamella, the fact that they're still here. Aldini went, and since then, Pochettino acted as the manager of the team, the head coach, and the director of football for a very short time. He was spread too thin, and that is, in my opinion, the reason that he burnt out at Spurs. He got us to a point where he was doing so many jobs in one. He couldn't do it anymore. He couldn't go out there and identify the players. He didn't probably had no idea whatsoever about what Levy was thinking in terms of money and budget. I, I believe that Poch probably didn't know if he could bring a 40, 50 million pound player to leave his door and get a straight answer, you know, or probably thought this is probably not worth the time. We need a director of football. And if somebody comes in to replace Mourinho, like Nagelsmann, I'm absolutely fine with him being that as long as we get some structure around him to be the person to take these players to Levy and say, you're not going to get any you're either going to get zero in three years or you're going to get 15 million now and that 15 million can go towards this you know german winger that i've identified as being you know class you might get 25 million for him in a couple of years but in the meantime you'll develop it and he'll do he'll do good for you we are unfortunately back at that stage people people talking about Mourinho, you know being in a position to win trophies you can't have it both ways. This squad is not good enough to win trophies. We haven't got the money to go out there and b- replace all of these players with p- players that Mourinho could win trophies with, in my opinion. And therefore, we are probably six, seven years ago, pre-Poch. We are back at that stage. We've got players that are causing problems <clears throat> in the dressing room or, or perhaps cliques and you know some people fighting a bit more for the badge than others. Um and we need to get rid of that. We need to freshen it up. And what that's going to take you, time. What did you make of Hugo's post-match talk? Because that, that's pretty relevant. I tell you, talking point. to directors of football, if 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 Larice wanted to do that, it's the sort of thing that I can see us doing and working very successfully. Because he he kind of got the Pochettino ethos, didn't he? He he was such a massive advocate of Pochettino and his methods and he, and the feeling that he brought. Uh, ultimately, he didn't win anything, but Poch. Even the most ardent anti-Poch person can't deny what Poch did was a bit miraculous at a club like Spurs to to give them a feeling of being able to go into these games and win them and and go into trophies and not be overawed by them. And so I've always felt that Hugo, I've got my problems with him being a bit of a a slightly sub-tier goalkeeper, but he at least sort of knows the game in my opinion and I would like to see him do something like director of football at a club and if that's Spurs that would be great 
because everything he said afterwards seemed to be in line with that. He was almost he's he's always got a ghostly look to him anyway, isn't he, Larice? He's a scary. But he was man. almost in shock. He was in shock. Like uh, he looked. That's how it looked anyway. He just looked as if he couldn't believe shock and and fuming. how bad fuming. He's he's yeah, got a temper yeah, as on he him. Should be. Yeah, exactly. I think he's. I think he's one of the last. He's probably very aware that his body's breaking down, but like that's that's the other thing. Which again, I keep circling back around to the sort of the team versus Mourinho and stuff. Both are problems, but Larice is looking over his shoulder at the moment uh, in terms of his starting place, and he's seen Joe fucking Hart. You know, this is the sort of shit that you think two years ago you should have realised. Larice is well into his thirties by now. He's club captain. It, the only way he's going to go is if somebody ousts him because well, you know, uh, it, that's... look at it now Paulo Lopez is quality yeah he's exactly. he's a brilliant european keeper now yeah exactly it, it, and we've brought joe hart in the summer to be the backup and it, it, it it's just that we've that is now a job that someone has to do in the next 2 years and that's not going to be cheap and it's not going to be easy so that's what like one of the things they have to do they have to fix probably three centre-backs, because Toby's not getting any better. His body, in my opinion, is failing him. He's still our best centre-back, but he is failing him. Eric Dyer needs replacing. Davinson Sanchez needs replacing. You're not likely to get a better backup than Ben Davis, but it should certainly be on your shopping list if you fix all the other problems. Regulon, who the fuck knows how long he's actually going to be here? Because if Real Madrid come knocking next year, we, we have no... We've got no skin in that fight. He's their player again. We need two right-backs. Doherty is appalling yeah. and only at the club because of his agent. You know, it, all right, fair play. He's put the effort in, but he's appalling. He's not a good enough right-back for the system that we play. If he goes somewhere and becomes a specialist player again, I'm sure somebody will see the best of him. But Spurs are not going to. Aurier is not good enough. Winks and Sissoko, two players that are only declining in value. They need replacing. Okay, so one of those could be Skip, but we desperately need another one to help out. Hoybieg needs a, um, a backup. Ndombele and uh, Lo Celso, we don't know if they can play together. We don't know if they complement each other. We don't even know if one of them can stay fit enough to be you know, at the top level constantly. We still don't really have a right winger. We don't really know if Bale is going to be... Which version of Bale are we getting? Are we getting the version of Bale that we've seen up to the point of the Palace, Burnley um, and Fulham games? We still have no idea what if he's going to be even here next season. You know, I'd imagine he Bergwijn will be. hasn't convinced. Son is only getting older. Kane is only getting older. They are only picking up more injuries the more that we rely on them. And I'm not saying that we need to replace them. But what it's just even the best players that we've mm. got at the club. You look at the backups that are behind them, and you just think, "Fucking hell!" Like that, it, we are that we are this close to needing to rely on these players week in, week out. And if you think that we're bad enough now fuck me like it really could get bad and all of those are jobs that someone needs to do someone needs to come in and fix all of those problems and it isn't Mourinho but it equally I don't think it's the next manager and this is why we've got to have some structure in there for a director of football to come in identify who could be replacements for them what are the most urgent needs where do we need to spend 10 million more than other areas you know that's where you could say we need to we desperately need a centre-back and we desperately need a goalkeeper because immediately that could solve two massive problems in this squad, and the other things don't aren't quite as bad. Then, 
but we just seem to be addressing none of them and we're just waiting for something that i don't know what uh, or when it's going to come the, the, it's the, scary the the thing that's funny for me with spurs is that we're in such a i, I would i would honestly say in terms of like as a top flight proposition and everything i think we are we're in a unique position we are we are in a position that i don't think we have any other peers in the same space that we are in so much as we are a team that now in stature is okay we're not we're not manchester manchester united sized or liverpool sized those two teams are you know they're punching alongside real madrid and barcelona i'm not saying in terms of on the pitch but i'm talking about as a brand in terms of global understanding of what they are as football teams and what have you they're, they're, the optics of them shall we say mm-hmm. Spurs are still some way off that but who we are bracketed with and yet yeah, they've won stuff and we haven't but probably I would say as a, as a global enterprise we're probably regarded not too dissimilarly from teams like Manchester City um, and maybe Maybe Chelsea, but I think Chelsea probably are. I think Chelsea and Arsenal are probably just behind Liverpool and United. Well, I think United and Liverpool are actually miles away from everyone else. Mm. Yeah. I think you've got Chelsea. Cornered the market very early. That. Yeah, and then yeah. Chelsea, Arsenal sort of lagging behind those two. And then I think you've got like City Spurs who are here. And the thing is, if if you consider all of those teams... You know, Arsenal are finding it tough because they're a team, I think, that are financially structured much in the same way that we are, which is that we don't have uh, a, a, an owner who is going to go into his own pocket and absolutely bankroll the, the team in a way that, you know, I mean, it's not really technically how it's happening at United, but let's just go with the idea that Manchester United just, spend a fuck of a lot of money and they will always do that because it's the size of their brand and they just can um but if you look at Chelsea and Manchester City for example they're two teams that we just cannot compete with like we 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 have no right to compete with teams with the resources that they have and Spurs however we're we're sat in this this massive stadium now we've got a global reach. We are one of the most supported teams in an emerging market of the United States, which is going to be over the next kind of decade, couple of decades, and then into the future, a goldmine for football. As soccer grows over there and continues to do so, especially men's football, I should I should say, because um, the you know the women's game has always been massive over there and. Is given a lot more respect than it's be been given here until fairly recently, mm. um, but yeah, the the men's game now is obviously it is becoming a thing. It's breaking ground there, and as we know, with basically anything, you break America, you make a fuck of a lot of money, and Spurs are doing that. We're doing that well, um, but we're still not winning stuff, and what that means is that we have to keep playing at this top level, creating a facade at least that we are a top club. And we managed to do that with Pochettino. 
You know, we got to a Champions League final. We were in title races. Yeah, what have you won, though? Whatever, it, it, you know, mm. we were there. We were in the conversation. We've had players like Gareth Bale, who had billboards up in Times Square, infamously, you know, who's gone on to win the Champions League single-handedly on a couple of occasions, pretty much. We've got players like Huminson, a global superstar. Harry Kane, he right, okay, his he he might not be perhaps given the respect we feel he's owed in this country, but internationally he's a huge name. He's the England captain. He's a World Cup Golden Boot winner, and I think he is held in very high regard in other parts of the world. Just oddly enough, not here. Um, <laughs> and just we're you know even even on a on, even on a ridiculous level. Like it's stuff that you and I kind of joke and scoff at, but having a having a Nike kit partnership, things like that, that that's that's big. Do you know what I mean? Like kind of, yeah, of flashy promos, that type of thing. That's what Spurs are. But so I, I guess what I'm trying to get at here, mate, is that like we're we're all kind of hoping for, and I've I've spoken about this on the pod before, and it's still it's just that nagging thing that I cannot get away from is that. We know what we need in an ideal sense. And what we need is that is it doesn't mean he's going to hit the heights of Pochettino, but we want somebody, a Yol, a Pochettino, somebody like that that can come in, pick up the remnants of something that was broken and at its very core, make us not care about what the end product is as long as we are just enjoying the journey. And then what happened in both of those instances is that what followed along with that is the success. And it was, yeah, it was at completely different levels. But people now who perhaps weren't as invested in Spurs back then, be you perhaps new to supporting Spurs or too young to remember the Martin Yol era, it was comparable to the Pochettino era in many respects in that Spurs were not a thing before mm. Yol came along and we he very much transformed at least our image yeah from back on yeah he transitioned us from one thing to another he took us up another level basically is yeah, what i'm trying similarly to similarly to pochettino the reason we got um a many trophy winning juan de ramos was because of the work that martin yol had done exactly similar that. to Mourinho. yeah exactly that and but my fear now is that Given what I say now about the brand, about the the image, about the everything that we are at the top, is that what if this this thing that we want, this kind of band of brothers style, let's pick it up, let's give us all something to believe in, just is not something that, in the wake of coronavirus, in the wake of that, yeah, being straddled with stadium debt, being out of the Champions League now for two seasons, most likely. Missing out on the Joshua fight, Gaga, Guns and Roses, all this stuff that we laugh at still, and we say, "Oh, can Lady Gaga play up front?" And yeah, I mean, yeah, it is a laugh, and I've made those jokes myself. But it's not so funny when we consider the fact that we are we're in a lot of debt now as a club, and there's obviously been a roadmap created that will see us out of that debt that has been massively put off course by the fact that nobody's been in a stadium for a year now and 
that match day revenue that we laughed at that you know whatever it was a record match day revenue eight hundred thousand pounds you'll never sing that well that's eight hundred thousand pounds a million pounds a match day on beer and pies and artisan pull pork brioche baps that we're not seeing and you know do spurs have the time and capacity to invest into a long-term project or do we biff off Mourinho and say right allegri come on see if hmm. you can get a tune out of it conte come in see if you can get a tune out of it but it is going to be boring that we're going to have this this carousel of these kind of basically being a poundland chelsea as we've hmm. seen chelsea always do doesn't work two seasons bang getting another manager see if he can make it happen give him a few quid for a couple of transfers here and there but Really, he's working with this. He's got to keep it going. We've got to keep turning it around, turning it around, turning it around, maintaining that presence at the top, maintaining that kind of momentum, the new manager boom of an experienced, safe pair of hands, people we've seen win leagues in other places, as opposed to taking a huge risk now on somebody like Nagelsmann, who, yes, he is very exciting. And personally speaking, he is probably who I would want to see come in. But at the same time, I'm not going to completely hide away from the fact that we could bring him in and the guy could be fucking AVB. Like he, yeah, he of just course, could of be, course. you know. But then we've done we've done the opposite of that in getting in Mourinho, and the football is as bad as under AVB, and we're going to achieve pretty much the same thing this season. You know, this is this is the thing I think that is so important for us. Mm. You mentioned there about about coronavirus and the impact it's going to have on Spurs absolutely agree it's come at the worst possible time for us as a team as a club for us to have built a stadium and to within the year I think or just over a year to have that basically snatched away from us all of the the financing of that we'll be probably fine we will refinance things those concerts those extracurricular stuff that the stadium is going to bring us a rescheduled and I'm sure Levy is already planning on it but it's going to take a lot of his energy and a mm. lot of the club's energy to to get that back on track so there are organizations football and otherwise that will have specialists who come in to navigate around the difficulties that coronavirus is going to have caused them you know finance companies lawyers solicitors you know there are major players that are going to need essentially project managers to come in and help navigate the choppy waters. The that, drones, that, the nanobots. Yeah, they're, they're, they're gonna. They need to bring someone in because yeah. it's it's so specialist and it's such a difficult one to navigate the, the waters of. That is basically what we need to do. But for the football side of it, we need that director of football. And I'm not saying they're going to be a miracle worker. What they need is somebody to come in and take the onus off of people like Levy. And that's not to say they're going to go out there and say. They're only going to identify players that are 40 million plus. The point of that and the point of the network that we set up is to discover people like Delhi Alley. Oh, like Leicester. And to, and to just take it, that's exactly the example I was going to use. You mm. mentioned there about not being able to compete with Liverpool and Man United and City, Chelsea, and kind of Arsenal and us in that next bracket. Leicester are competing with them because, purely because they have decided to shop different. You know, the well, players doing they've what we they in, basically replaced us. Exactly, exactly. If we'd have had the signings that they've had in the last two and a half years, you think of players like Harvey Barnes, um, Tielmans, um, 
Madison. James Justin, Madison, James Justin. These are players that we should have been looking at as alternatives and as options. And they didn't cost the earth, but they've come in and they have changed that team. And all right, they might not win anything, but third for Leicester, you know, is still massive. I know they won the league, but that is a massive achievement for them. Do you think, do. though, because another thing I've considered with this, so with our big stadium, our big image, so on and so forth, do you think, however, though, we are now the club that when we go in for so, so my my example here is perhaps we are scouting these players. We've been after Max Aaron's for a long time, right? We were after Jack Grealish for a long time, but as soon as we come into it now, big hot shot Tottenham Hotspur, it just seems like we're the club now where the smaller club, with all due respect, will slap that extra ten mil on that yeah. perhaps Leicester aren't getting, and perhaps we weren't getting. 10, 15 years ago. Do you, do you know what I mean? Mm, yeah, I, I I think so. But then at the same time, if we are that big, you'd hope. But we kind of, it's not nice to say, but you'd kind of hope that we'd be big enough for a player to, let's say Max Aarons as an example. If Spurs came in and said, look, we're going to give you 20 mil and it'll be financed over five years or something like that. And they went, no, we want 25, 30. If we came back and said, well, it's that or nothing, you know, at that point, if Leicester come in and offer less, Norwich say yes, there's not much you can do about that. There really isn't that much. If they're going to say yes to a bid from one team and not to another, there's nothing you can do. But you'd kind of want Max Aarons at that point to be like, mm, you know what, can you just accept the Spurs bid? I'd much rather go there. You, do you know what I mean? It's it's not yeah. a, it's not an exact science. That I'm no, I, about, I, no, but, no, I know what you mean, though. No. You know, you, you feel like it's having the best of both worlds in that sense a little bit. I'm sure, I'm sure that happens. I, I don't doubt that at all. I just think we aren't doing. We're probably not doing that. We're not being smart with the money. We are. Doherty, for an example, like fifteen. Are we really saying that fifteen million on Doherty was worth the money more than spending ten extra million on a Max Aaron's? Because I think Doherty was brought in to replace Aurier, and Aurier has stepped up his game I think he's had a good season he's still a a bit of a nightmare but he he has had a good season there's no way that you can't tell me that Max Aarons wouldn't have done the same thing for his mentality in my opinion and we've ended up losing quite a lot of money on Matt Doherty and probably paying his agent quite a lot of money for for the benefit Um, it's all off the books that mate so don't worry yeah I mean it's that's, that's, that's the sort of thing that is a bit more it, that's what's transparently awful about us at the moment is all of the things that you could say Mourinho might do, you know, is happening. Your squad gets is is in disharmony. You've got negative football or, or football without style. You've got players personally unhappy with him that he's freezing out and he's got big, you know, wads of cash for people that, maybe are represented by the right person you know it's stuff like that that you just think i i get all of the caveats i mm. get that somebody could come in and the squad is still as bad i i agree with that and i think a lot of work needs to happen i get that we don't really have the money to do that is Mourinho the right person just to stick with for now i i totally totally get you with all of that but for me the the, the negatives far far outweigh any positives that he can bring us. I don't believe he's winning us the League Cup this year. I think he could go straight after it. 
Um, I think it could be Ledley till the end of the season just to try and put some feel-good factor in for the last month. And then I think it is going to be a new project. But as I say, if there's a structure around that project, it's doable. It's not easy. This is the thing. I'm not sitting here saying that it's an easy thing to yeah, do. Yeah, no, of course I know. But all I can say is that we've fucking done it before. You mentioned Yole. You know, Yole, Yole had a team that was Dawson, Huddleston, Genus, Lennon, Defoe, Keane. These were players that were brought in because we looked at it and went, right, we're not going to be able to compete with the big boys. These players, collectively, that group of players probably cost us about, I don't know, 25 million, which in today's money is probably about 110. But for five or six players that, that kind of formed the core of what that team and was. it was fun, wasn't it? It, it was, was fun. fun. It, wasn't, it wasn't successful, but it was fun. Robinson, another one, you know, Bale brilliant came at the players. end of that. For where we were, brilliant players. 100%. And they, they, took, we, they were players we took a punt on. And that's the thing. It's, it's look, this guy has got a big, is really high ceiling. He might flop. And this, the Bale was on the cusp of it. You talk about sliding door moments, right? Bale was on the cusp of going to Birmingham for £1 million in 2010. <laughs> you know, because he just didn't have it. He didn't, he, he did not seem to have it in him. And then a, a, a switch just flipped and he became the monster that he is. And we we are going to need a lot of that. We're going to need an awful lot of sliding doors moments to go our way. But I just think we don't give ourselves the best opportunity when we are still almost stuck in this mindset that we are a good enough team to have been to still do now what we were doing four or five years ago under Pochettino. That is not where we are currently. The squad is not playing within itself. It just isn't good enough, and it's playing within itself. Sorry, so there's two things going on mm. there. You know, Mourinho is not the man to bring that out. He will go with best wishes. I ha- don't hate the guy. I don't have a strong opinion on him personally. I think the documentary showed a side to him that was actually a bit more endearing. Like I was quite it's weird, was surprised isn't it? with how he came it's out. It's kind of how I feel as well. I don't have any hatred for him, but at the I same still time, do a bit. I still. I, I mean, I, yeah, you're you're always gonna. I mean, the guy won four ti- three titles at Chelsea. You know, he clearly, he's still theirs. You know, he still has the stink of Chelsea on him, and it's I like just dupe, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, yeah, it stinks out a crowded tube carriage. You know, it. He's always gonna stink of Chelsea, but I don't think many many fans held that against him when he came through the door but it's gonna it will follow him out of it 100 percent. and i say if he doesn't win anything i just don't see how he can be it, it put it this way he's fucking lucky there's no fans in the stadium at the moment because it i think it would be a bit toxic and the stadium oh the yeah it'd be, stadium it may, it'd be is, fully spurs on spurs at the moment yeah yeah, yeah in the, there it'd be yeah it'd be tear-ups all over you know when you see that from behind you yeah, somewhere yeah. and you see like belly swinging around and like yeah pushing high high viz jacket swarming around it to try and stop I, I it i love it yeah. when it gets to spurs on spurs season. yeah when it's that shit and you're like go on let's just yeah let's yeah, just, yeah. Let's just see someone's some, got to do it yeah let's yeah. just see someone kick off go on what did he do? oh one of them what happened up there mate do you know oh i don't know one of them said he didn't rate harry kane or something and you know <laughs> they've had a beer and they you know it's, uh, yeah, it's an interesting one. Do you know, um, to sort of make it, yeah, bring it onto a, onto a light note, and this isn't, uh, I've got a, uh, I've got a sneaking suspicion we're actually going to do the League Cup, though, you know, like, 
not even like in a big like hopeful sort of i just think that would be so yeah just the yeah. narrative because like we said those parallels with like ramos with kind of those I don't know, shitty times. I just, I, I've just sort of got a feeling that we might do it, but I, do, I personally, I don't think it will be a stay of execution for him. Even that, if we no. win the league cup and we don't do anything, I think well, he would uh, do well to get out after it. If he won I the agree. league cup, he'd have a what a month left. If he got out after that, he could say he won a trophy with us. Yeah, it was with a, a squad that he was clearly not happy with and wasn't very good, and it would have been. I have no money. And all. What, and what all, do we do? You know that yeah. sort of shit. Yeah, <laughs> but it would have been against an all-conquering Man City as well. Yeah. He will have that forever. I don't believe we have enough in the tank to make a heart like a, a handbrake turn that is going to be required to do that. I think City by that point are a runaway train. And I think we are indifferent to the league by that point. You know, if we don't beat Villa on Sunday, I honestly, I think our season could unravel to the point of bottom half just because I don't see where those wins I, are coming from. I think from. we might be too good to do that. I just think on a maybe, pers- yeah, personnel maybe, level. But... I think in spite of Mourinho, which I think we've probably seen up to this point up until the Arsenal game, a lot of that I don't really attribute to Mourinho. I see it as Mourinho. I, I attribute it to Mourinho only, only in so much as, as we've spoken on this pod before, that he was kind of, he got over himself a bit, put Bale in the team and switched things up a bit. But really, that came from Kane and Bale being Kane and Bale, right? Just being yeah. brilliant. Yeah, yeah. And the opposition being appalling. Yeah, so I, I, I think we will be there. I think the, the disaster for us this season is finishing beneath Arsenal, which I think could be on now, annoyingly. I think mm. they... But they've got two games a week still whilst they're in Europe, so that might be their undoing. Yeah, and, and look, the that, fact that's they're their route as into, well. <laughs> well, it's their route into the Champions League. So if they didn't go all, all legs in those baskets, then I'd be really questioning what the fuck they're doing. Because, mm. you know... In, in, it's there for the taking it, now, isn't it? Yeah, we've got we are five games lighter now, you know, and we had three games at the start of the season that others didn't because we had to qualify for the league, uh, the Europa League. So these things will balance out. Who knows? Maybe we'll look less leggy because of that. You know, we've got we've got no other competitions to be in. It is now our our amount of games is set in stone for the rest of the season. So there's kind of no excuses in terms of how how we set out our training and and work schedules so maybe things will turn around maybe that will benefit us for the the final for example whereas it won't for arsenal but personally i think we're on our downward trajectory i think we're seeing the end of Mourinho. the ends of Mourinho teams is never pretty you know you get the odd spark of life but i just don't see where that's coming from i do not see where that's coming from currently so i i'm i'm Kind of with you though, mate. It wouldn't surprise me whatsoever if we went out and did City two 0 in the final. Mourinho walks Violet, around to a, just absolutely you know, violent. Yeah, Mourinho walks around a I don't know a socially distanced um, Wembley Stadium, cupping his ears to everybody, and then has a month of being on the juice and you know just letting the whole season unravel in the league and leaves with his his, his trophy uh, record still intact. It wouldn't surprise me whatsoever because that is just the mentalness of Spurs currently. 
You just you can't predict the next day, can you? I guess because we, we we've been going, I've taken quite a lot of your time now, Tom. Um, just I've I got nothing, absolutely <laughs> nothing. Well, that's all right then. We'll, we, we can, <laughs> I'll, I'll bring the crisps conversation back in a minute. But on yes. on uh, on football footy. Let me just give you a hypothetical. You're Daniel Levy right now. What do you do? What do you do with Mourinho? Do you get rid of him right now? Do you give him to the end of the season? Do you give him till after the cup? Because some people have quite rightly said that that Zagreb result was one of those results that was... I mean, in my 36 years... That's one of the worst performances and results I've mm. seen Spurs mm. put out. Yeah, real writing on the wall game. Yeah, you're, you're damned if you do, you're damned if you don't. Uh, if you're Levy right now, because if he if he sacks Mourinho and we lose the League Cup final, the you know the really the only thing that's left for us to compete for. If we lose that, he'll always you're always going to have those people that say, "Well, Mourinho is a born winner and." You know, it wasn't going well, but that's when he's at his best in terms of winning trophies. He can dig one out, you know. But then if you don't and he loses it, you go, well, if you'd have just taken a gamble, you know, we could have had a, a re-injection of energy into the squad and we might have won the League Cup. And we might have snuck fourth. So <laughs> there isn't probably a right answer. Personally, I'd been him. I would bin him straight away. I, I I think it will be the summer, but if it was me making the decisions, I probably would be looking at him and saying, look, anymore this is in the year and a half that he's been here just under a year and a half that he's been here there have been two good spells under him one of those was the spell that took us top of the league at the start of December um, which you know in between that spell and the 6-1 that we had against United in the middle were some pretty dire games and the West Ham game comes into that which I really do think has shaped Mourinho since. I think it spooked him so much that everything changed from that moment on. Um, and last season, when he first came in, we had a, a decent spell, which was the new man bounce. Apart from that, it's been horrendous. And okay, there's been injuries on that. There's been challenges of trying to get a squad that was clearly now disinterested um, and unmotivated and just not playing to their full capacity he had to try and turn that round as well. So it's not been without challenge. But the facts of that, he has had two decent spells in 18 months and managers have gone for a lot less under Levy. So I don't think he has a choice. I really don't. Um, I guess you can say the City game is a bit of a free hit and we might stand a better chance with Mourinho at the helm. And I think that is probably the only thing that is keeping him in a job at the moment. But personally, I just think it only gets worse from here and the damage there's only one person I really care about at Spurs and that's Harry Kane and the damage that this period could be doing could be terminal for Kane so I, I think we need to cut our losses give it to King till the end of the season and just you know make the right noises about what's coming up use this time to put in that director of football or at least a structure that is going to allow the next guy to to flourish hopefully given the financial limitations that we're going to have because of COVID and because that's just not how we how we operate. We don't spend big bucks. So I, I think that would be my approach now. All right. 
that's 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 felt good, mate. I've that's felt that's felt needed. I felt like I've I've lanced a boil over the course of the past hour and twenty minutes. How how how? What about you? Yeah, I'd go along with that. Yeah. I think it's. I don't know about. Well, I do know about you because we're in most of the same WhatsApp groups. But it's felt as if I've talked about this so much, yeah. and it feels like everything is this fog of Spurs being shy over it at the moment. You you kind of talk about something, and then it inevitably falls back into this kind of binary is it Spurs players is it Mourinho whatever um so it does take over a little bit but yeah I'd agree with that it's been it's been pretty good I look, mate I'd only have been sitting on my sofa eating crisps if I wasn't doing this what so. what crisps do you think in particular you'd have had today uh I think I'd have gone for some kettle chips I've Ooh. already got into the mature cheddar ones really oh, just, whiffy yeah that yeah whiffy but you know if you've got a if you're going to go for it, then you've got to go for it properly. If you're going to be opinion. a bear, be a grizzly. Exactly. That's exactly. It. Yeah. Yeah, I might have some crisps actually. I haven't. I've been trying to be. I've been trying to be good. You know that person that says that in the office. Oh no, I can't. Go on, have a bit of birthday cake. Oh no, I can't. I'm being good. You know. Yeah. What, it's boring. It's they've boring. eaten a tube of snacker jacks or that. Oh, there's no. There's nothing in them. There's like. There's. It's look. Yeah. Thirty calories a snacker jack, yeah, but you've eaten you've eaten twenty seven of them. <laughs> you know, like Yeah. 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 Uh, yeah. That's me. <laughs> yeah. Basically. Yeah. I'm gonna have yeah, some crisps. Man. But uh yeah, I'm starving. Tom Tom Foins, Tom Foens. Um it's been a pleasure as always, mate. Um yeah. Thanks very much for having me on, mate. Any uh, any Tottenham ways time. in the in the in the pipeline? Well, it's funny because uh, during the first lockdown, we did a few of the crisis tapes, mm-hmm. and we were you know sort of doing some specials um, while there was no actual football going on. If we were to do it now, I think the crisis tapes would would be very much about uh, pretty much a condensed version of what we've been doing for the last hour and a half on here, and it just you know I'm. Do you have the energy for it, really? Every, you know, every week. I know it's cathartic, but I just don't think I've got it in me. So Dan's obviously very, very busy. Um, he's still going, going all over and following Spurs. So it's quite difficult to nail he's not down busy. Time. He just pretends he is. Come on, we both know him. <laughs> sort of shit. You know, these are yeah. You know, he's a respected journalist in the eyes of some. We know what he's doing. He's like, oh fuck, I've got to write that thing. Bang! Ten minutes, chucks it in. Yeah, no, I've spent all evening on it. Bollocks! Check the WhatsApp group and take out the main points. Repackage it. Yeah, that's it. ten paragraphs on its own. I see. What's what's Tom moaning about at the moment? Right. Okay. Cool. Cool. Yeah. Cool. The voice of the fans. Do you know what I mean? And that's you're like, hang <laughs> on. I was saying. Did that. you know? Did you know? Um, so I, he did that. He asked me. He was like, look, I, I've got this thing in the standard. It only needs to be about you know, 200 words on um, Pochettino, why the season's not going particularly well. This was October year year before last. And I was like, yeah, mate, I'll do that. And I wrote all this, like, quite a nice thing saying, look, it's it's not going well, but Pochettino has to take some of the blame. He, you know, essentially said he'd leave after the Champions League final and all of this. But ultimately, we really need to just hope that Levy backs his man and doesn't pull the trigger. 
that landed and then i think within the hour it was announced that pochettino had left so i've got this like really nice thing that's got my name next to it in an actual national or sorry in an actual newspaper the evening standard that i can point to in future generations that my kids might look at and read and then go so what happened and you'll have to go well they just fucking sacked him about 45 minutes after that landed so i looked like a right mug to the whole of london oh yeah it's quite poetic that way Spurs Eeyore there you go Spurs Eeyore <laughs> cheers Tom thanks a lot thanks mate, mate. really enjoyed that and uh, yeah keep on trucking Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.